Hey, I'm Steve Full, and thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for software engineer Paul Allington. What I definitely vowed to do at the time was make sure I was on top of the work that I was doing, making sure that it was all properly built and trusting that my hours are worth what I'm charging, if that makes sense. A lot of freelancers I know very easily fall into the trap of just doing this, the could you just, could you just change that bit, can you just change that bit? And those bits add up to quite a significant chunk of time. In the end, you can realise that you've just spent the last week doing the could you just and not actually any billable work. Yes, hello, hope you're having a good week. So Paul Allington is my guest this week. He was named Ipse Freelancer of the Year here in the UK a couple of years ago. He brands himself as The Code Guy, so interested to hear about that as well. Um, Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter, at Being Freelance, and also you can find the vlog on YouTube, youtube.com slash Steve Folland. That's me, Steve Folland, as in Holland, but with an F feel like I'm explaining it at a B&B reception. They still write down Holland, by the way. Doesn't matter. Getting used to it now. So that's still going. It'll be episode 10. Crikey. Uh, probably by the time you check it out. Uh, you can also find out all about this at beingfreelance.com. As ever, be brilliant if you can share this with other freelancers. And, haven't mentioned this for a while, if you can leave a review on your podcast place of choice, like iTunes, for example, then it really does make a difference. But anyway, let's crack on and say hello to this week's guest, and that is freelance software engineer, not had one of them before, Paul Allington, the code guy. Hey, Paul. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you for doing this. Okay, so let's get started hearing about how you got started being freelance. So I've been freelance for many, many years, even while I right, right back to university. I um, built websites, fixed computers, did all kinds of nuts things for friends and family and small charities and things like that at university. Um, it didn't follow me out of university. I, I, I started a career in web development, worked my way through um, various different agencies um, before finishing up in Cambridge. Um, for, a, for a slightly larger company where I decided that actually I'd rather be working for myself, um, have a bit more control over what I do and not having to wait six months to do it um, in, um, in, in a lot of cases. So um, I started up a um, small web agency that was back in 2011, I believe. So actually when you got, because you just called it a small web agency. Yeah. By small. It was me. It was me um, working from my basement. However, um, right at the very beginning, I knew because I'm, I'm an engineer, I'm a software engineer, I'm not a designer. Um, and I know where my strengths are and I know my, where weaknesses are. And so there are very few projects that you can get as a freelancer that, that will be completely tailored to your, your skill set. So I had to work a lot with um, other designers, other copywriters and that kind of thing. And so we often ended up being a small agency, even though I was, I was on my own and, and the people I was working with were on my own. We, it was more of a collaborative approach to stuff. And did you give yourself an agency name or was it still Paul Allington? That, that, na- the, that agency was called Intelligent Penguin. <laughs> it's, it's a great name. I loved it as a name. It's the, it's the best name I've ever come up with. So Intelligent Penguin, but you were like the lead person. You were the one bringing in the work and then project managing out to 
all of those freelancers that you were working with? To, to a large extent, yes. Um, there, there were there was other bits of work that were introduced from from other people, and I worked with some other design agencies as as more of a freelance and freelance software engineer type of thing. But I did I bought a lot of the work in um, myself. So, were you as intelligent Penguin, a limited company, or were you a sole trader at that point? Right from the very beginning, I was a sole trader. Um, I didn't really understand a lot about. Um, tax and company set up or anything like that or, or what the implications of, of certain things were um, but after I think it was a year or so um, I, I realized that actually I could I could start bringing people on and um, bringing in employees basically and growing a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of a team so that is when I, I, I incorporated and started to learn very quickly about about how to run a company um, rather than just running 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 myself so because you mentioned employees there, which is different to just knowing that you can bring on board f- freelancers when the work is there. It was very different. Obviously, that's not the case now. Uh, that was when I first started out. But it, it, was, it was very different. But I knew that I, could, I was managing people. And actually, the people I employed tended to have the kind of freelance kind of way of thinking but wanted the security of being in a, in a proper job type of thing, which is what I tried to provide. Um, but I never really lost the freelance way of life. We, we never wore shoes in the office, you know. <laughs> and who were those people that you were bringing on? Were those people who previously you would have like hired as freelancers, like the designers or the copywriters? Uh, no, they weren't actually. They were they were brand new um, to me right from the right from the very, very beginning. Um, the, the first couple were people I actually knew came across um, one person was someone I helped out with um, some work experience and uh, from that work experience he, he stayed on with me I think it was I think it was at that point I really realized that um, having people sitting next to me was was quite a valuable thing I never stopped working with freelancers but having other people in the office with me um, was, was quite nice when I say office uh-huh. it was a shed because yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like an interesting thing isn't it because like previous to that everybody was remote were they Yes. And then he found actually having somebody else put the kettle on was good. Oh, absolutely. Someone else um, making the... Actually, it's, it's not always good. There was one person I asked to... He, he said, do you want a drink? And I said, yes. Um, and I said, a lemon squash would be great. Um, and he didn't pull the lemon squash out of the fridge. He pulled the Jif lemon out of the fridge, um, <gasps> which was quite a surprise <laughs> when I took that as a sip. But I felt so... I didn't, I didn't know how to break it to him, so I, I sat... <laughs> And drank um, a glass of Jif <laughs> lemon. I thought you were going to say like Jif lemon bathroom oh God, cleaner. That would be worse. Do you know though? That has totally reminded me that once when I was at a radio station, we had this boy on work experience, like fourteen years old, and he went off to make us all a cup of tea and didn't realise you're meant to boil the kettle. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, an education. <laughs> How to boil boiling a kettle is a very important skill to have. Yeah. Um, so where are we? Twenty twelve with this. You've now got employees. You're still intelligent penguin. Is this right? Still intelligent penguin. Yeah, we were intelligent penguin limited at that point, um, and we grew. Um, there were thirteen of us. Um, Flipping at, it towards the end. Yeah, no, it grew quite big. Um, I had a business partner who joined me, um, who started to um, grow the marketing side of the business. Um, so we, we became a full-service um, web agency um, towards the end. Um, unfortunately, that did come to an end in 2000 and, 
2015, yeah, two, two years ago, um, 2015. Okay, so at what point, I'm intrigued, did you know to bring on those extra people? Like, was it because you bagged a particular project and you hired them and then you kept them on? Like, it's such a shift from being just yourself and having a few freelancers to growing it in that particular scale. So how did you work um, through that? It, it's hard. Um, I'm, I won't lie, it is very hard because when you go from one to two people, in order to make sure that second person's salary is, is going to be covered, because it does take a while to get up to speed with things and be covering your own salary, um, you have to work twice as hard, basically, <laughs> um, and work all night. So it is, it's, it is, it's a very, very different way of working. I don't think I ever really properly worked it out, although I was, I was doing pretty well. But it, it, was, it was managing in a totally different way, um, but very enjoyable. I, I enjoyed having people around. I enjoyed, you know, sharing a bit of banter um, and that kind of thing in the office. But yeah, very, very different to just sitting um, like I am now at my desk at home. <laughs> so what changed in 2015 then? It was, it was the perfect storm, basically, but we lost a few um, regular contracts, which ripped a very large hole in our um, cash flow. Our, our sort of baseline, um, and it was it wasn't really recoverable. Um, it was a very very stressful time as well, um, and uh, I sort of I took the opportunity to, uh, to to move on and start up as the code guy, go back to sort of my proper core freelancing, which is what I do now. Um, and my business partner at the time um, bought the company out of liquidation. I think it was. I carried on trading as Intelligent Penguin for a while. Man. Yeah. It was quite hard. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I can't quite imagine dealing with that and presumably a break in your income as well, everything that comes with it. Uh, yes, it was, a, it was an incredibly stressful time. Um, but at the time, um, I think you realise there's just nothing you can do about it. There probably is stuff you can do about it. You can probably fight and fight and fight and fight. Um, but at the time, it was very, very stressful. Um, so I took a couple of weeks off, gathered my thoughts. But I think when you're a freelancer and you, ne you never really sort of move away from that, you've still got your skill set and you've still got the people you know. And a business is just a business, essentially. So you can just sort of pick up from where you left off in some ways, just sort of start again and go out and get some new jobs and, and carry on doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's so true. So you thought right i've got these skills i'm gonna be the code guy what lessons though did you take out of that experience as you went forward um, that choosing a new name is very hard when you've already chosen intelligent <laughs> penguin <laughs> what lessons did i learn i think it's i don't really know to be honest what i definitely vowed to do at the time was to um, make sure i was on top of the work that I was doing, making sure that it was all properly billed and trusting that my hours are worth what I'm charging, if that makes sense. I think you can very easily, freelance, a lot of freelancers I know, very easily fall into the trap of just doing this, the could you justs, the sitting there, like, could you just change that bit? And can you just change that bit? And those bits add up to quite a significant chunk of time. And in the end, you can realise that you've just spent the last week doing the could you just and not actually any billable work. So one of the big lessons I learned from that was to um, make sure that I was properly charging out for the work that I was doing. 
And how did you do that? Is that like just communicating with the client very early on as to how it's going to work? or It's communicating to the client and it's also being able to say no or being able to say, um, yes, I can do that and that will cost. It's a, it's a very hard thing to say when you don't want to rock the boat of the relationship you have with your client, if that makes sense. I found it hard anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and would you be using like a time tracker type thing? There are so many different tools around. I think I tried about 75 different tools in the end, but I ended up building my own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing did what I needed it to do, so I ended up building my own. And have you since sold that as a product? Um, I have, in fact. <laughs> have I you? mentioned it, yes. Oh, cool. Um, no, I, um, I built that beginning of last year. I used it myself with the work that we were doing with, with my clients. And I started to build it and started, I turned it into its own business. Um, and we're now selling it. Um, I have a couple of people working with me on it. And um, we're, we're going from, well, we're going for a funding round at the moment. It's very exciting. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, because I mentioned that because often I've heard that before people have created them things for themselves it might not be as big as that but it might be a photoshop brush for example and then they end up actually i've created this because i had a need other people might have a need i'll turn it into a digital product so wow well let's talk about that though because does that feel different managing that business to to what you were doing before it's a it's a very different model um it's having built something we're now sort of getting other people to come at it um, and trying to sell that is very different I'm very confident at selling my time I'm very confident to say um, I sit in front of someone and say I can build this for you and it's going to cost xxx and it's going to take this long um, we're sitting in front of somebody and saying here's my product come and use it is it <laughs> it is quite it's a totally different um, different sales technique which is why I have Chris and Millie who work with me Chris is my um, commercial director and Millie's my marketing director. So I can just be a geek and stay and eat cookies and build the system. <laughs> so is that funded by you? Like, are they working on that full time? Um, they, they are at the moment. So Millie joined me beginning of last year under the code guy to help me out with some, um, some projects that I was doing. She actually helped build this system in terms of how, what she needed to um, communicate with the client. It's called Squish, by the way. I'll be shot if I don't mention that. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, she, so she's joined Squish um, as the marketing manager because she's got um, a really strong marketing background. And I met Chris when I won the award in 2015. Um, and he was sponsoring the event, event that I won at. And so I, he, I, we worked together for a while. And when I was just about to push Squish out as its own product, we, we started talking and he said, I, I can help with that. So I've been funding it for um, a little while. Everyone's been putting um, sort of extra bits of time in. Um, we're going through a crowdfunding campaign um, to raise some money to, to, to make it even bigger and take it even further. Man, good luck. Of course, we'll put <laughs> links at beingfreelance.com so people can check it out. Hey, they could be listening to this in years to come when it's already become a global success. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> In which case, I've missed the opportunity to invest, but still. Yes. <laughs> so, bigfreelance.com. Right, so we'll come back to the award, but let's carry on with the story. So, you've just waved goodbye to the penguin and become the code guy, which, by its very name, in its nature, suggests that this time you thought, well, it's just going to be me. That was, um, yes, I very much thought this 
this particular time until something else comes along like like we just mentioned it was just going to be me and I was going to spend my time collaborating with others I was going to stay collaborating with us not that I had um big issues employing people I enjoyed it it was great but actually I wanted to spend the time building some really cool software rather than building the team that was that was my that was what I wanted to do at the time and in that would you be like hiring yourself out to agencies where does the work come from? I, I very much try and avoid building websites now. Um, I just don't enjoy them. There's more, it's, it's more about the design um, in many ways than the actual build. Um, I've been doing more big project work, like I built some betting shop displays for the racing post, for example, to aggregate their data down um, and I'll put it, to, I'll, I'll put it into shops. Um, and last year built a breast cancer screening system. <laughs> um, yeah, um, which is quite a lot of fun. How do you get those clients? Word of mouth. I, I don't do any advertising. It's all through word of mouth and people I've worked with before. And um, I think I think I don't know how the conversation goes before my name gets mentioned. Um, but um, someone was saying, "I've got this." It usually starts with, "I've got this idea." Actually, <laughs> um, or do you know anyone who could do this? I, my name gets mentioned at that particular point. I think. And do you market yourself in any other way as? the code guy for we have people on here who blog every day or shoot a video or do so much on social media or go to networking events or whatever like do you do that or do you just sit in your shed with your tea and crack <laughs> on with the work i um i do the odd blog not for any kind of marketing reasons just just as something a bit different um and i go to the odd networking event but more just to get out and have a sometimes nice breakfast it's just more to get out of the office away from my desk and, and meet humans because um, I don't tend to meet a lot of humans so um, but I, I tend to just sit down um, get on with my get on with my work really so work coming in via word of mouth was obviously picking up speed because even though the co-guy was just going to be one person and collaborating you've already mentioned Millie's name so at what point did you realize you needed help what was she doing when, when, you, when you build a lot of um, projects, um, they, there tends to be a really big build at the very beginning. And then there's ongoing little things and ongoing stuff that needs to happen afterwards. And it can be very simple changes, but there can be a lot of them. So Millie joined me to kind of help organise me. <laughs> um, I, I kind of, that's what I really needed at the time. She came in to really help with that. She's also got quite a strong marketing background and some of my clients needed some marketing help. So, because even within that, I'm intrigued as to what point you realised that you needed to bring on somebody to project manage or to manage you, because obviously that's a cost and you're going to think you're going to need a certain amount of cost to keep them busy if they're employed. I don't know, they might have been freelance. But at what point, especially because you mentioned earlier that when you hired somebody, you ended up working twice as hard. So at the point that I hired Millie, um, I had a number of other freelancers who were doing some work for me. And so she was really brought in to, to help manage those as well, not just the clients, but also off the back of the award, which you mentioned we'll come back to. I, I had some award money that came out of that um, and some other funding from, else, um, from a grant, uh, which helped pay for her time. And although we originally started building Squish, which had a totally different name back then, we, we kind of did plan to, to sell it somehow. And, and, and the plan was that she was really going to help with that. Cool. And if she is then project managing 
dealing with client relationships, dealing with the freelance relationships. I wonder how clients in particular feel about that if they're used to dealing with you. Like if they've come to the code guy, they like chatting to Paul and hearing about his cups of tea and his dogs and what have you. Like, (laughs) yeah, like, do you not worry that they want to work with you and therefore putting another person in the way wasn't true to you? I don't know. Maybe I'm phrasing it wrong. It's just that I find it myself. Like I could do with somebody, but actually maybe my clients like working with me. I mean, I know I'm bigging (laughs) myself up there, but you know what I mean? That's the freelance client relationship. Like what if it wasn't me? I know exactly what you mean. Um, and And it was always a fear that I had. And it was always a fear with Intelligent Penguin as well. Um, but I think because I've had the experience at, at Intelligent Penguin that I never actually stepped away um, and I was generally always contactable um, and I was always around and I was always involved in all of these projects. And it, it wasn't a case of um, wind Millie up and send her off and, and to, to do a load of stuff. It was always very much working together on things. Um, so um, I, I never sort of disappeared. Plus, when I'm really deep into a project and I get my head down, I, I can just disappear <laughs> um, and I can become slightly uncontactable at that point. And I think a lot of people like the, liked having Millie there so that when I was deep into a project and they needed something, then um, they could contact someone at least um, and then she'd be able to get hold of me kind of thing. Yeah, such a good point that really the only way for you to focus and get the work done is to shut off the people trying to contact you. It's, it, it, it's very true and in the nicest possible way you know I want to talk to all these people but <laughs> when, you, when you're I think there's, um, there's some statistic somewhere that says it when you look away from your screen or when you look away from your work it takes about 15 minutes to get back into it and if your phone's ringing every five minutes it's very hard to actually get into anything <laughs> so having someone just to give you some space um, really, really helps. And is she working remotely? Um, uh, she does. She works from her house as well. We, we both work from home, um, but we um, we work very closely together. There's a lot of tea involved. <laughs> so let's wind back to that award that you mentioned. This is the Ipse Freelancer of the Year Award. So, yeah, tell us about that experience, really. It was a, it was a really interesting experience. I enjoyed it. I saw an email saying, enter the award for freelancer of the year, just fill in these questions. And it was about six, seven months in when I started the Code Guy. And, and I thought, you know, I'm going to spend some time answering these questions more for myself. Because having, having had Intelligent Penguin disappear, um, start the Code Guy, it was kind of a good chance for me to go, what have I actually achieved? What have I done in the last six months? Am I on track kind of thing? Because you don't normally get a lot of time to focus on yourself um, as a freelancer you're just sort of just going from job to job to job so I I used that as a chance to do it Um, so I wrote I wrote a load of stuff down I submitted it and then I got the call to say you're in the you're one of the finalists and I thought oh goodness (laughs) I'm not (laughs) sure how how that's going to work so I um, had to go to I went to an event in London where um, I had to do a presentation in front of the judges which was which was scary, <laughs> um, more scary that I hadn't got a clue what to wear. What do you wear to that kind of thing? And I'm not a suit, but I don't do suits at all. Um, so I, I picked my best hoodie, um, trundled, trundled <laughs> off down to 
London um, and did a presentation. I actually had a flask of tea that I pulled out of a bag during that presentation. <laughs> uh, and they must have liked what I had to say. I can't remember anything about it. Um, they must have liked what I had to say because um, we went to the award ceremony where I did wear a suit, actually, but it was a formal event, so I guess it counts. And my name got called, which completely stunned me. I didn't expect to, to get um, as far as being a finalist, let alone winning. <laughs> and... What was the after effect of that, other than the money in the bank account which helped you grow the business, as you mentioned earlier, was there another effect? It was a very nice feeling. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, it didn't really change a huge amount, um, but it gave me a lot of... Um, there, were, there was also a whole load of support that was involved in, in, in the prize package. So I, I utilised a lot of that to understand a bit more about how to um, build a product and how to, how to get it out. It, it didn't really change a lot, but it gave me the confidence to sort of plough on with what I was doing. Um, I think I'd filled the questions in because I wasn't sure if I was heading in the right direction, but um, having that really, really kind of just focused me even more. Um, I got um, some um, media coverage, some, I was in the papers a couple of times um which was which was which was really exciting and really nerve-wracking at the same time um i never i don't like being being interviewed in the nicest possible way you're very good at your job Steve. um <laughs> i don't like being interviewed I, I i find i find public things very very nerve-wracking um but it, it did give me a lot of experience in that as well <laughs> okay so one thing we haven't touched upon is i guess the work-life balance in quotation marks of it all so how have you been coping with that? How have you been going that way? Um, that's partly why I'm a freelancer, is because I am able to maintain a bit of a work-life balance. I say a bit of. I do work an awful lot. Um, but I have two children, and when my son was born, um, he's now four, he's nearly five, uh, I worked in the shed at the end of my garden. And while I was able to remove myself from the house, go and do my work, and I had my workspace, he would occasionally toddle off to the end of the garden, knock on my door um, to say hi um, and come and come and have a cuddle and sit on my lap and bash at my computer, which I'd have to undo afterwards. <laughs> and, and it was quite, it's quite nice to actually be involved, even though I'm at work. So I do have that kind of, and I think a lot of people don't have that. If you're working in London and you're leaving at seven o'clock in the morning and you're getting home at eight o'clock at night, it's very hard to have um, that kind of um, relationship that I have with my children, I suppose. Yeah. It's a big motivation towards it. Massively. Um, and we've, we've moved house since, so now I'm actually inside the house. Um, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm actually on the mezzanine, which is very exciting. But my wife tells me I'm on probation. Um, and that's like, if it, if, it stays, if it stays clean, then I won't have to buy a shed. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So what would you say are the biggest challenges for you being freelance? the biggest challenges um it's a really good question it used to be saying no i guess and saying yes i can do that but it will cost this much but i've sort of i've managed to sort that out now um I'm, i think i'm on top of that i don't really know good question can we come back to it <laughs> it's good though like having that confidence to know to say no, or when to say that will cost this. Confidence took a lot of time to 
um, to, to come up with. I'm, I'm not a naturally confident person. It took a lot of time to work it out, but I sort of I have my I have my way of working. Um, getting trapped on my on a particular problem is probably one of the biggest challenges I have actually, um, and not being able to leave it and, and move on to something else. Um, that's probably the biggest challenge I have. Okay, now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, Um, I once freelanced as a poo picker-upperer at Colchester Zoo. (laughs) I was once on Channel 4 running away from a herd of cows. Right. And I have robot staff in my house. (laughs) Okay, so... You freelance as a poo picker-upper. I hope that was on a badge. <laughs> it certainly was. Yeah, it was something I did as a as a, as a holiday type thing, um, just going in and, and and helping out. And what animals did you have to pick up the poo of? It was elephants. Oh, only elephants. <laughs> it was only elephants. It was the not the tigers. Probably a bit more. Not the tigers. No, this is dangerous poo. That is. Get through quite a lot of work experience people that way. So elephant poo, what's the knack for picking up an elephant poo? With a really large fork. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you were on Channel 4 being chased by a herd of cows. I mean, that might well be a game show on Channel 4, if the sort of thing which would be people around the world. That's the kind of thing (laughs) would be on Channel 4. How Um, come you were on that channel? It was on the show River Cottage with Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. Yeah, so like a cookery show. Cookery show. I was on that. I spent a week down um, at, on, on the River Cottage farm, s- sleeping in a teepee, learning how to cook. And they filmed it. Wow! <laughs> and the cows got upset because you refused to pick up their poo and yet they heard you were good at it? They were a long there? way away in the field and they sent me off with a bucket of cow feed um, to go and collect the cows and then they started running at me so I ran back across the field. <laughs> And you have robot staff in your house. Yes. It's like the Jetsons. I really hate hoovering. So we have a robot hoover that just comes out at its own little time, which is why I was slightly late, because it decided to um, venture into my office and was hoovering the office. Cool. Uh, have you given it a name? Um, we called it Dobby, I think. <laughs> oh, man. This is so hard because... You can get robotic hoovers. They do exist, don't they? They do. Um, these all sound so true. That's the whole thing. These are so plausible. I mean, somebody's got to pick up the poo. I guess elephants don't do it themselves. Okay, I don't think you were, you were ever a poo picker-upper. That's right. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, although I kind of wanted to be yes, true. Yes, me too. I was like ah. thinking about it going, oh no, I wish that was true. You said the fork and the elephant with such conviction. <laughs> okay, now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Uh, keep going. Stick at it. Never give up. It is short and sweet, but that's okay because the kettle's about to finish boiling. You probably have a brew to get to. Paul, <laughs> thank you so much. Don't forget, check out beingfreelance.com. Links to everything that Paul is up to. So you can find the Code Guys site and Twitter, and we'll link through to Squish as we were talking about earlier. Good luck with that, by the way. I mean, of utmost respect, plenty of people have ideas, but to actually make it happen, all links at beingfreelance.com, where you can also sign up to the newsletter, find all of the other guests. 
including a couple of other previous winners of the Ipse Awards. And speaking of which, I will also put a link to the Ipse Awards. So if you're listening to this as it goes out, you could go and enter because entrance is open for 2017 right now. And I recommend it. Well worth doing it. If you're based in the UK, that is. So all of that at beingfreelance.com. Check out the vlog, but that's enough self-plugging. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Really nice story. Really great chatting to you. And all the best being freelance. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Steve. So there you are. Hope you enjoyed that. If you're new to being freelance, please do delve deeper into our back catalogue of guests because you might have missed stuff like this. I think just having that mentality that is helpful for a freelancer to not rest on your laurels. If business is really good, then it's safe to assume that that could change. It's kind of about knowing your worth and being prepared for them to walk away if they don't see the value in it. With the freelance lifestyle, you have so much opportunity to out-earn the previous month or to out-earn your last year annual billable income. I love that challenge. I think it's very exciting. It's also very dangerous. All those guests and more, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever it might be. And of course, you can find them all at beingfreelance.com. That's it for this one, though. Have a great week being freelance. Thank you.